Before we get started, just a quick word as we record these on-the-ground updates from the Challenge League in Canada. We know the audio quality is variable, and today's certainly isn't as good as we would have liked it to be, but we are doing our best. We really appreciate you sticking with us, and we'll try to make sure the next few sound better for you. Here's our Day 5 review. Welcome back to the Emerging Cricket Podcast, another special episode this time on on the mid-highway back for a day in Bank Falls, stand-in host Tim Cutley. It's good, the care going? Oh, very well. It's good to get my call checked off my Canadian list. I've, I've never been, even though I was born in Canada, so it's uh, you know good, good to finally see them. Worth it. So, playing with big day, midway through match day, I was thinking that this is third daily, by daily, podcast as we here in Toronto, covering, well, covering it being part of Men's Real Challenge League A. Early action from match day five, and then Vanuatu and Qatar against each other, with Qatar coming home with money there by 96 runs, and so you uh, well, the track looked very green, and, and I could see why why Andrew chose to bowl first, but realistically, uh, I think it might have been a bit of a mistake because the, the track didn't end up doing much at all. It was playing very nicely onto the bat, didn't get much movement, didn't get much cut, didn't, didn't really get much of anything. A couple of deliveries sort of hit one of those bald spots and puffed up, but other than that, beautiful batting wicket. And uh, yeah, Qatar took a full advantage. I think the Vanuatu bowlers were a bit wayward early, especially Apo. Stephen kind of eased into his spell. He was a lot better towards the back end early on. I thought he was um, he was bowling a bit too short, and the Qataris were able to take advantage. Especially you know, we saw Ibrahim hit a fantastic swivel hook shot where he just absolutely nailed it. The six uh, played a few really nice punch shots as well off the back foot. Um, and yeah, Apo was a lot more, uh, a lot more threatening when he was pitching it up. Uh, whereas Narland sort of had the opposite problem. Narland did go the other opener, where he was pitching it up a bit too much, and and Sami Khan was able to take advantage. Played a few really nice pickup shots through kind of mid wicket, over the top for a six and one point. And uh, yeah, Nipico just couldn't quite get his punch right. He was pretty expensive. So that flying start, they were none for a hundred. After I think about 11 or 12 overs from memory, you know, Vanuatu was always playing catch up after that. Yeah, I think made for a big change. And whilst Apo was always going to bowl his, his 10 over straight because he was being carried in the knee needle, and I think the idea was to knowing that there was a two day rest period afterwards to get as many hands and once we pulled out of him. Because he probably could have been able to come back and bowl like a second spell. So it was almost. A situation where you're just locked in, you're just trying to get the overs out of him. But Josh Russell, not used to having a bowl in, in the power play, normally bowl five, but he actually came on with the fielders, restrictions were still in place and just bowled a another 
excellent spell, I think, for Ryu came in as probably one of the V spinners, has really established himself as the, the premier spinner. Or for Vanuatu, to be bold, amazing. Ten overs again, going at just over three runs of over, especially in the situation where he wasn't, as you mentioned, with Qatar scoring in well over seven runs of over, and they went past 100. He was really able to peck the back, wasn't he? Yeah, he bowled a, a pretty bad first over. He dropped short, uh, got, got knocked away for four, and then got swept as well. But after that, he tidied up his lines. Uh, he was able to, I, I guess that was the thing. He, he made the Inkatari about his play, whereas a lot of the deliveries that were coming from Apo and Nalan were, you know, they, they could wait for the bad ball because there wasn't really anything that was forcing them to, to, to play. Um, and, and Apo, just going back to that, uh, you know, the point about the back end of his spell, he was forcing them to play a lot more and they were playing straight. Where you had you had protection down the ground, and so that was a lot more effective at stemming the flow. I think it is worth pointing out there are a couple of half chances, and this is part of the day. It was it was quite frustrating. There are a few kind of things. It was like, well, you know, if if this went the other way, and if this it was a bit of a coulda, woulda, shoulda situation. With um, there, there was a catch in the uh, sixth over, an edge that uh, Nylan got out of Cameron that went between Jared, the keeper, Jared Allen, and uh, and Andrew Mansali who. Nominally first slip, but it was more of a kind of wide second. Jared has a bit of a theory about why he likes to stand a bit wide. I don't know if we want to let Jared explain it. No, he's shaking his head. Okay. But he, he likes to stand a bit wide to allow, um, basically to, to, to kind of give himself a bit more room to catch edges. Uh, the theory being that, you know, if the ball is firing it down leg, it's going to be a bad delivery anyway, and, and he shouldn't be doing that, uh, which I, I, you know, I understand has some merit, but... You know, it's one of those things where you, you, you try and get a bit clever, have someone a bit wider, and then the edge, of course, goes exactly where, you know, if you're standing for regulation first, it would have been a very easy chance. So that, that was unfortunate. Um, there are a couple of, you know, edges that lobbed over cover, didn't quite get to, you know, anyone at the fielder. So, you know, if those if those had gone the other way, maybe we'd be looking at a different situation. But the fact is there are enough boundary balls for Qatar to take advantage this game also saw the return to the 11 of off-spinning all-rounder Simpson Ogan and big tall basketball Darren Ross, who both re-available for selection, recovering from injuries. Ross, with a side strain to Ogan with a foreign illness, and then had a back issue too, but they've been worked on feverishly by physio. So they came in for the two young spinners, Laval Simpson and Ogan, Anything way, and I think Simpson ended up bowling almost his full spell during the, the back end of the innings. I think he probably would have bowled 10 just his last couple of moments, you know, which he bowled eight. Bowled one made it before Simpson Marlon and then finished those last two overs. He bowled well on his return. He didn't like someone who had been out of the game and bowled for over a month. You know, I think maybe probably worked his place a little bit more, a little bit flatter, and not giving batters that much place to. To get up and to, to get after him, but what was really pleasing for me was Darren Wasser. It's made his debut by the last of the South Pacific Day to his first CC international cricket. He came on five overs to bowl at the, at the southern end, short boundary on his left side, which would have only been 55, 60 metres, and he bowled five overs from two to 28. He was outstanding. Yeah, I think Wasser was a, an example of the talent that. You know, Benoitu has got, and again, sort of the theme of the day, a bit frustrating in that he, he did bowl well, but, you know, looking at the way he was bowling, he could have bowled a lot better. And, you know, it, maybe I'm being a bit harsh because you know, he hasn't bowled for, for a while and he's his first game back. 
but he could, you know, working at his physique and, and his, just his natural strength, he can probably bowl a decent amount quicker than he was, and he can probably bury his deliveries a bit better. Um, I don't know, it just seemed like he was pushing a little bit hard with some of his uh, slower balls you were talking about there, Tim, and um, kind of trying to be a bit too clever, whereas he just needed to get it in the block hole because he was bowling in the depth. It was interesting watching. It was very similar to the Denmark innings, the game three days prior, in that got a nice opposition, got off to a flyer, and then they were able to pull them back and keep it going for sort of between four, you know, around four and so open for about the middle 25 to 30, but then it picked up at the back end again. You know, so here, everyone at the top of the order, 55, 43, Captain Khan, 55 and 45. You know, that's a, a great start. But then as you go down the order, as much as Mohammed Rizlan had it well, you know, he finished off on 77 for 92 and Mohammed Tanvir five was 24 of 46. So just so see him or well done, nice would call it that. But then at the end, you know, again, the biggest hand, they just didn't fall quick enough to have a real impact on the scoring. And the back in the knees, that's what finished their 50 overs for 293 events. Yeah, just on the point about sort of mentioned before about how you play and catch up if you if you do get off to a flyer and, and the fact that they, they had that extra kind of buffer in, in that first sort of 10, 15 overs meant that they, they could just sort of cruise through the middle overs, not get about the singles, they weren't under too much pressure, and it allowed them that launching pad at the back end. Whereas say you'd you'd been a bit more uh, a bit more accurate in the first 10 to 15. Maybe they're two for 60 after 15, and then Qatar's playing catch up and they're feeling the pressure to up the run rate instead of being in a good position to launch. And those are the differences that getting off to a really quick start could make. To be a quick start, so it's fair to say that Van Arsenal's wasn't sorry, open and bowlers were a lot tighter and probably a lot faster than Van Arsenal's were. Just guys who were and every go, they didn't. Opened up, we really struggled so, uh, to really to weather the storm and to, to keep the small boards, to keep the small boards taking over. And Arlen, after being tied down a little bit, he tried to make the actual shot over Bubba, or at least back to what he tried to play the fist. The next ball, he did something similar, but only sort of back to himself for a little bit more. His ball mixed up was the, uh, the first ball of the different Muller, sort of more or less followed with him. Well, that's that really sort of set the tone for the running and the innings for rather than being patient and getting through that, that tough spell with some fast bowlers, knowing that the pitch was good and as good as Qatar's spin bowling attack is led by Ahmed Nadeem, who took five wickets against the last week in the warm up match. It just seemed that at that slow start, and the obvious story quickly, Josh Rising felt like Mark just to go over this win for. Went for 15 and went Andrew and Van Sarley. I think it's a little bit unlucky. He's given out LBW to the an arm ball or a quicker ball which he'd left. And nobody seemed to just lick his pad. But everyone went up around the pitch. That was, again, a common theme of the Vanuatu Bannings was a guitar appeal, which was a bit frustrating. By the end, it seemed every time the ball with the pad goes and field going. I think Van Sarley really. So they had Vanuatu in the hole and never really got out of it, did they? Well, and that's, that's the thing. with the, They were just playing catch-up the whole time and having that scoreboard pressure on them. I mean, I, I don't mind the fact that the, the, the openers took their time. 
the, the issue is that instead of going on with it, they, as you said, they didn't quite weather the storm and they, they lost patience. Josh Razu, I think especially, would be very annoyed with the way he got out, just very neatly prodding at one and, and getting an outside edge through the keeper. You know, that's a very soft dismissal for a guy who's able to absolutely smash it and, and playing within himself deliberately so that he can, you know, be there for the next little while to, to kind of to cash in. So the fact he wasn't able to do that, you know, we, you know, we saw him, he sort of kicked his bat as he was walking off. Um, yeah, very understandably so, because the, as we've said, the pitch, you know, there was no demons in that. He could have batted a long time, and he has the firepower to catch up on the run rate, which I guess we can talk about Junior Cal's power in a sec, but he doesn't quite have that, that extra gear that Josh Ryzen does. And and so, yeah, then I want to we're always really quite far behind on the run rate. Jared Allen, it's Rhodes against Malaysia and being promoted from 6 out of 5 and in the end. Junior Cowboys and set about solidating really and trying to tap through some overs and keep those resources and attack. But when he more or less walked himself, I mean, down to the left hand corner of the team, yeah, that was a point looking for the 18 pm junior had put on 30 to the stage, which was just what the doctor had ordered. But Jared got out and few eyes went to the ground. So he came from Tari, he'd been scrabbled and had to score a run in his last two. Last two gigs, but you know, what we got to watch was uh, what entertaining in the one stage of hope, hope inducing partnership. Yeah, hope was building, hope was building, and uh, I think that kind of shows the way forward. And that Tari and Junior Kelsey Power, they, they weren't too fussed, they just went about their business, they were knocking the singles around. Junior Kelsey Power, obviously, is a very, very good player, and he's just going to get better and better. And watching him time the ball just to perfection. He's plays that sort of that guide down to third man. He'll do that all day. He played a couple of absolutely gorgeous straight drives, just pure timing. He doesn't overhit it. He just just times it really well. And I, I don't know if he is uh, working on his power game, but if he can add that sort of extra gear, he'll be basically a complete package to the batter. And you know, looking over, looking over to Ronald Sari and what he was contributing, same thing. He was he was being sensible and patient. And I think potentially Kelsey Power was a um, influence maybe on Montari, who, um, as you say, was on a you know on a hat trick of ducks, which is uh, not really what you want. And just as kind of yeah, Tari was just starting to accelerate a bit, he took a step down the pitch and absolutely whacked a couple of uh, very powerful ball shots, and it's looking like he's about to get going. Then he got out as well, and this is something all through the innings, you know, that that just get out in clumps. Oh, get you know one bring two. You know, with Razu and, and Nibiko and then uh, Mansale. I mean, Alan, yeah, that, that dismissal again was a bit silly. And this, this whole um, whole way through, they just kept getting out to things, you know, deliveries that they really didn't need to get out. And it wasn't wasn't that the Qataris were bowling badly by any stretch of the imagination, but it was they weren't bowling unplayable balls that the Vanuatu batters had no way of, of dealing with. They just were putting it in a good area and, and the Vanuatu... They basically got themselves out. So when Tari Sherlin was, I think, might have even been the first ball, maybe the second after, after drinks, it just seemed that the drinks weren't really important. They did quite the manage, but Tari got out straight after. Tari and well, 74, 16 overs. But then from then, you know, whilst Junior finished up 67, 97, 
looked very classy. So during that innings as well, he's bowled through the nets, including by a uh, left arm managing offspin. <laughs> yeah, the, the reverse sweep is something like trademark of his repertoire. They kept in the shed, kept in the bat. So the theme of the hang series has been less straight for long time. I think if you add that to the repertoire, two or three of you, then it's a hell of a game. He gets more sweeps at six, so it's definitely there. I just see. So it's only just third international match, and there he is scoring 67. Really, never looked in trouble. And once you see him, actually, hopefully, because he's out of it, he's just in the screen. He's definitely. Well, I'm not sure what adventure he'd be in. I don't know or some kind of, you know, decathlete, or just so a little weapon between the wickets and the south of the field. So that was pleasing to see from there. Since Novak came in, in really nice, forward, and just something like was about to get going, but then got a soft, so he tried to throw legs to cover, and he managed to really loop it to cover, like one of those real, kind of shit hits, like just the wrong part of the bank completely, and then the wickets were fairly regular into the Adam Arsenal will be bowled out in 44 of those four overs for 97. Before we go on to the sort of later result of the other field, big closing thoughts of Adam Arsenal or Petsline. This is something we've talked about a bit is that Adam Arsenal has a lot of upside. And look at the players in there and the talent that they have and the fact that they have so much more potential to get better. Whereas I think a team like Tar or, or Denmark, who are ahead of Adam on the points table and definitely. You know, credit to them, they, they, they play better in the games, but they're more or less maxed out what I think they can realistically achieve in terms of their skill and talent, whereas you know, Vanuatu, if, if, again, if all these players can you know, get the most out of their talent, they'll be sort of, I would say, by, you know, towards the top of this table and potentially even pushing to get into League 2, depending on you know what happens with various structures, but Junior Kaltapal, I'll, I'll just rave about him a bit more. The fact he was so calm under the, under the pump, whereas, again, a lot of these guys, their dismissals just showed a bit of, I don't know if it's inexperience or, or just kind of lack of patience because they play a lot of T20s back home and not much one-day cricket, um, and so they don't quite have the, the match awareness and the sort of intuitive sense of um, you know, when to go and when to defend. Counterpower just looks like he has all of that and more, and he's going to be a, a huge talent over the coming years. I don't know if it's worth maybe experimenting. I mean, yeah, we <laughs> you can almost forget watching him that it's his third international match. But, you know, you've got two power hitters opening the batting. Would it be worth maybe, I mean, the coach is asleep, so it's okay. He's not going to uh, be upset at my backseat coaching here. But I don't know. I'd be tempted to experiment with maybe Kelsey Power opening because he's he can play a bit more of that um, anchor role, which is kind of what uh, Denmark do with Hamid Shah and Nikolai Damgaard, who... You know, one one plays a bit more circumspect and the other goes hard. And, and we saw that, you know, we can talk about this in, in a few minutes, but today, Ahmed Shah scored a big time and Denmark just batted around him for a really high team total. So, yeah, potentially Kelsen Bauer could play that role and keep either Josh or Nyland down the order in reserve to, to boost the scoring rate down uh, at the back end. The figure is a backseat coach. It's definitely of Ben Cameron's asleep. All of one meter away from us. Yeah. yeah. So we won't look for special comment. We will get him on the podcast soon. He's been sitting here listening to his pod and not talking to him. He might be flipping the down anyway. He might be pretending to sleep. <laughs> so as you mentioned, the other fields, Malaysia, 
to bond neighbours of Singapore, Malaysia batted first by score 210 for 8. Now 50 is a slow going there, but bogged down in the middle. Singapore chasing that down in the 46th over for six wickets. How'd you say this one, Nick? Yeah, remarkable spell from Vinod uh, Baskaran. One for 14 off 10 overs with 50 dog balls. Can't really do much better than that. But yeah, very uh, a dour contest, I would say, between Malaysia and Singapore. Malaysia, it's interesting. You watch them play. You, you can kind of tell that they're a bit uh, out of their depth in 50-over cricket. Uh, I mean, I guess the point table reflects that. Whereas they're a very handy T20 side with a lot of their batting and bowling a lot more suited to the shorter format. You've got guys, who, especially with the ball, which yeah, we can talk about in a sec, but especially with the ball, we've got guys who's better able to contain rather than you know, cut through a, a, a batting lineup. Um, and with the batting, they kind of have two years of either defend or go for the boundary, which is something that Vanuatu needs to work on as well. Uh, and, and I guess Malaysia playing so much T20, it's the same thing. They don't quite have that uh, middle ground batting uh, you know, ability. I think, you know, seeing Syed Aziz look pretty fluent, he had a few boundaries early on. And Virendeep Singh is, is a classy batter, but basically no one else really was able to, to break free of the, uh, the Singaporean kind of flotilla of spinners. Plus, Janak Prakash, I think it's worth making the point as well that Singapore, a couple of years ago, there was a lot of buzz around them uh, as, as one of the exciting teams coming through. And there's quite a few young players who are part of that. You know, Rohan Rangarachan, for example, the, the opening bat who was looking quite nice in the chase. Um, you know, young, young guys, 20, 21 years old, who are going to be the future of this single team. All, all that talent hasn't gone anywhere. Tim David exploding as an international franchise star in the intervening years between you know, 2019 when the last Challenge League happened and he was a, basically a fringe state player in Australia. And now when he's one of the most sought-after you know, hitters in the world in, on the franchise circuit. Singapore have kind of been left behind by Tim David, but th there's more to Singapore than Tim David. Uh, and I think there's a reason as well that they're the second-ranked team in the points table. Yeah, it's an interesting one being watching them highlights of the game itself. So I was very, uh, very stressed in Ferguson that I was Maybe even more so than the same that Malaysia were getting out to strange more than off to a Half decent start. They got to 42 and got over for Malik. Got out. is missed on more or less a straight ranking bit off uh, aspect. And it just seemed a procession of batter induced errors. The major single we really struggled with it at this event. If you didn't everyone else away from the world and announced the goodies that's played the most cricket in, in recent times. It would be saying Malaysia. Malaysia looks like a team out of practice. Um, and I can say that because Ben White has already played them, but they haven't got that and it really showed me up. But it, it is a concern, you know, it's something we talk about a lot, a lot of it. How great it is that Malaysia have so many players in cricket across the country. It's the same news of losing people on Oval. It's a huge challenge, challenge for them, but really turning those anticipation numbers into moment ones at that. They still haven't got it. You know, there was a barring vision for along with a lot of these teams in this talk of Denmark with the Battle Arts in 2018. I just feel like despite the international experience they're getting, we did mention that they're not over T20, but it was seven. It just feels like 
They're not moving anymore. Well, I mean, you, you look at, they won a T20 series against Singapore probably about a month ago, just before this tournament started. And they had a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of these same guys playing and they were batting really well. And I, I guess that's kind of the, the point about just not playing much with German cricket and being a bit lost. Singapore as well, they're, they're bowling. I mean, looking ahead to the match uh, with Vanuatu in Singapore, if, if I were... Uh, in the in the Vanuatu camp, which I am, I'd, I'd be saying that's a very winnable game because Singapore's bowling, they're disciplined, they're tidy, but there's nothing uh, you know particularly threatening about any of them necessarily. And again, the batting, they had a bit of a wobble against uh, Malaysia. They dug themselves out of the hole, credit to them. But you know, I, I think Vanuatu has the capacity to get any of these guys out. So going back to the Malaysia point, I, I don't know. It's just I'd say it's more to do with the fact that a lot of the talented players that do come through the youth program often drop out of cricket quite young to pursue other you know, work or study or other sort of uh, career options because, again, being a cricketer in Malaysia is not necessarily the, the, the best paying uh, career that you can have. So, and this is the problem with a lot of associate cricket, is even if you can find a lot of kids playing Holding on to them, uh, this is something uh, we talked to uh, Dougal Beddingfield a, a few years back, and this is one of the challenges for the Japanese system is once kids finish with the, the, the school uh, the school programs and having sports associated with that, where do they go? Because they all, you know, they drop out to go to uni or start work and, and all that sort of stuff. So this is a, a recurring problem for a lot of associates. And I'd, I'd sort of, at a guess, I would say that the guys who are playing here for Malaysia, they're not necessarily the best athletes that have gone through Malaysia's cricket program. I think they're just the ones that have stuck around. And some of them are top quality cricketers, and some of them, you have to say, are, you know, no, no disrespect to them, but they're probably sort of making up the numbers. So you mentioned the Singapore, Buckley Sons, had a little bit of a hole. They were 2 for 38 and 3 for 6 or 3 with four Asian parents. Maybe in and he was not out for 90 degrees and 101 balls in the bottom of the margin for that. 64 from 70, which really put the game beyond doubt, being that partnership of almost 130. Yeah, in, in the end, I'd say they did an easy score of goal, but Malaysia have taken advantage of those. As we were going to share, we might be having a, uh, a different conversation today. Malaysia folding, side is his. Opened the bowling style, I think, after taking five wickets against uh, Vanuatu, who's turning sort of further up the, uh, <laughs> the bowling line. Yeah, 72, 7.2 overs, 242. MYL Dalman, 243 The only other wicket was taken by Kai's Hyatt. So that leaves Malaysia still winless. They, along with Vanuatu, are playing today on match day six. And the teams that are uh, Canada and Qatar. Yeah, the game is Denmark and Singapore. Pendless sets two and five and nine. Batting first and game line. Denmark, two and seven. Underpinned by, as you mentioned before, a very impressive set for the mid sharp at 38 and 133. It's spoken about him being the, the anchor so scoring at 65, 70 runs without doors. But in this, you'd have to suspect maybe he's caught up. He's got over 100 inside the speaking round, but I guess we'll have to go back and 
check the tape for that. But uh, at this point, I think it's safe to say that uh, Canada will be beating the targets. Katara nine to the nine, as we as we walk forward. If we could take us there, you know, the day after Katara winning as well, it was even more disappointing that Jeremy Gordon was taking four for twenty-two, six overs at San Jose. Two for three, seven for his five point four at this stage. So that's I, I once said that uh, the game was all over by the shouting with PNG and they came back to win uh, in one of the most amazing games in history. But I think it's safe to say that perhaps I are going to get there against Canada and Singapore on one to be four for three, chasing them down to two ninety eight Denmark, that is and run around it's sixty eight not out, sixty seven balls up open. Still have the opener there set, so I guess while you're set out of there, anything can happen. So we may update this later on. Get back to the hotel. But any thoughts on either of those games, Nick, from uh, looking at the scores only? Well, from a Canada perspective, uh, another ton to Napneen Daliwa, the skipper. So that's good to see his form continue. Uh, he played really, really well in that century he scored against Singapore, you know, walking down the track to their seamers, just absolutely looking at class above. And great to see Ravi Singh, uh, who has struggled a bit of late. Um, I think he got COVID a year or two ago, and he sort of has struggled ever since. Um, so hopefully this is a turning point. He's got sort of 50 or 30 or so, uh, which, you know, having Ravi down the order, he's just got that capacity to clear the rope uh, so frequently. That's a really dangerous uh, tool in the shed for Canada in terms of boosting the run rate at, at the back end. And as well as, as we talked about with Ahmed Shah, I think, yeah, you're, you're probably right in that the way he bats is typically he'll he'll take his time early and then uh, catch up towards the end with, with some classy boundaries. And his third 50-plus score in this leg of the challenge league. So I think I think it's no coincidence that he's having a good series and Denmark are being you know, regularly able to put up much higher scores than they have perhaps in the past. And you know, from there, they've been a lot more able to defend those scores. And so I think Ahmed Shah, as we can much see from his performances, is, is very, very important to Denmark's fortunes. So that'll be an interesting one with Singapore trying to chase Denmark's total there. So a rest day for all teams tomorrow. Gameplay will resume on Friday, the 5th of August, with the home side, Canada taking the number two will be Malaysia, Denmark. It will be an inch of Denmark's last match. The series may be disappearing after that. But then on Saturday, the 6th of August, Malaysia will take that turn. And then Denmark's in Singapore will round out the events. We look forward to Friday and Saturday of games. Any predictions or thoughts about how the final will finish up? Well, I don't know how I'm going to feel watching Vanuatu uh, play against Canada. Well, you'll be in a yellow shirt uh, next to me, so I know who you'll be supporting. <laughs> oh, yes. I'll, I'll, be, uh, I'll, I'll not be cheering any Canada uh, players at all uh, until I leave the PMOA. But, uh, yeah, I, I think Canada probably going to be too strong for Vanuatu. Sorry to say that on the Vanuatu team bus. But Singapore, definitely one to watch if you guys can pull it together. I think, uh, yeah, I, I think we've got a good chance. I would tend to agree. Speaking of teams that have played a lot of cricket and or uh, professional cricket around the end, just in the not really the Canada players, all the talent that they have in our Bristol, they are none of them are contracted and they're only on shape payments. 
to 150 dollars a day during this event and pull that together to have the talent that they have at their disposal. I guess it's disappointing, it's not the right word, but it's not in the middle of it, but to know that they don't have those those contracted but despite that so much talent around it, of course they got the support of well ostensibly supported the global T20 and uh, the funds that, that was supposed to bring in. But yes, I agree with you there that the Singapore bank with NRT has to be a huge time point. We're then two wins behind Qatar, Denmark and results today, whilst Malaysia are very much at the bottom of the, the table. It's the bottom two that go back to qualify. So it's critical for not only Bowers to look at Singapore, but it's also a couple of other results to, to go their way. And I think Qatar losing today is it's good. Just going to see how things are up. But uh, I think today, it's about enough of us. I'm not sure what the background sound has been like. It's all been uh, bus sounds, maybe a radio, a little bit of a uh, wind shear. And thank you, Zemba, for all listening in. Thank you very much. It's a sort of hatred. And keep up to date with everything in post stories and podcast plans about the emerging cricket across the social media channels that are supposed to be to emerging. Thank you very much, Nick Skinner. Uh, you're not my roomie at the moment. I thought you were going to be roomie, but you know, with no Patrick still here, which most of myself that it's taken me this long to, to mention him with the Patrick Saga. As we report now on Wednesday at 4 pm, Canada time, we're um, waiting for his passport to London, booking and moving flights every day to, to get him here. It might even be a matter of him to meet the Singapore game. Well, the, the passport turns on Thursday, Friday, Friday, getting Friday afternoon, Friday and Saturday. Reminds me of Queensland flying up Langer back to Australia. He's playing with the UK so, uh, to, to uh, answer the the Hail Mary from to, to be halfback for uh, Queensland. We didn't winning. So that might still be happening. But um, look, as, as time goes on, as Patrick's not here, I'm, I'm dipping out more to say about the process. But thank you. With John S, whether you're listening to us online or on Store FM. Nick and I will be back in the next day or so. I think we may, depending what happened on Friday, <laughs> let's be honest, if one wants to win, we'll probably do a day uh, <laughs> If Canada win, uh, Nick's out of the hotel. But uh, <laughs> thank you all for listening. Enjoy the rest of your day wherever you are around the Merchant Cricket World. And an update on today's games, which ended after our recording on the bus. Canada ended up thrashing Qatar by 184 runs as they posted 9 for 275 and bowled out the Qataris for 91. On the other ground, Denmark managed to get over the line against Qatar in an absolute thriller, posting 7 for 297 and defending it by bowling out Singapore for 296 on the second last ball of the match. Once again, a big thank you to all our listeners and especially our supporters on Patreon. Bye for now.